Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. Turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be chilling here this evening in the book of, of Nehemiah. And we're going to be talking about the vision. Now when you think about vision, uh, I, I think it's, it's safe to say that we all, we all want vision. Uh, not just physical vision, obviously, but we all want to be able to see things, even not even spiritually, not even talk. We, we want to be able to see things in a positive light, to be able to see uh, what things could, could eventually become instead of what they're not. Uh, nobody, likes a ver- nobody likes negative people, right? Because negative people are they're just not fun to be around. But a person who is able to see a situation and say, you know what, regardless of the situation, I can see this happening, or I, c- I could see that happen. Having vision that goes beyond circumstance. I, I think if, if, is that everybody in this room that you would want to be a person that has uh, that, that sort of vision? Um, and so I really want to bounce off that idea tonight because in the book of Nehemiah, we have a man who was able to see something that wasn't there. And he was able to accomplish the vision that he had when nobody else saw it. When nobody else saw a solution or, or an end game, Nehemiah was able to take a step back and see the result before it was even there. And I think that's, that's our desire, whether it's our, our spiritual lives, uh, where we, you ever see who you can be like spiritually? Like, and you almost have a picture of what it would be like in your mind. I sometimes imagine myself, like, as the Apostle Paul, like, you know what I mean? Like, where I'm, like, you know, pursuing God so much that I'm, I'm going, anywhere that I go in public, I'm, like, coming in contact with people, and, and, and I'm sharing with them, and I'm pouring out my heart, and people are getting saved, and, and people are, are getting healed. They're, they're encountering the Holy Spirit. Like, you see th- that kind of vision for you. Does anybody else do that? Because I know that I have, and I see heads nodding. I want to take a t- some time, because in Proverbs it says without vision, people perish. Right? Without a vision, the people perish. And I love this quote by P.K. Bernard. He says, a man without vision is a man without a future. And a man without a future will always return to his past. Vision is what drives us. Vision is what pushes us forward to accomplish tasks that people would say are impossible that that the world would say it can't be done but when we're able to look at things with a god-sized vision we're going to really be able to accomplish things even personally in our own life that people would say is completely impossible and so when you look at the idea of vision it's it's what we see but it's but it's also the way in which we see Right? It's the way in which we interpret everyday events, interactions with people, our, our relationship with God. It's, it's how we interpret it. It's, it's like a lens. Uh, it, I see some people with glasses in here. Has everybody wore a pair of glasses at some point? Whether it's sunglasses or prescription glasses. We've all wore a pair of glasses at some point. Have you ever had a, a, a scratched pair of glasses? Justin smiled really big. He was like, hmm. So, have you ever, and this is the thing with vision, vision is like a lens. 
And if, you're, if your vision is impaired, talking spiritually now, in a sense where, where you're not able to truly see things the way that God sees them in your life, you're not able to see yourself the way that God sees you, you're not able to see how God can use you in, in the lives of others around you, you're not able to see what God can do through you, you don't have an expectation of God to use you because your vision of who you are, your vision of, of who God is in you, is skewed and it's almost like scratches on a lens and as you have those scratches on 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 your glasses right when you begin to look things well things just all look scratched and you'll begin looking at people and saying well those people have scratches on them there's there's something wrong with those people or, or this event happened and I see scratches all over it or this happened in my life and you know there's there's scratches everywhere and what happens is if you don't maintain a God-sized vision a, a God-driven vision if you allow things to obscure that vision the vision that God has for your life to be able to see things in your life the way that God intended you to see them clearly if you allow those things in your life to come and to obstruct that then you're going to begin to place blame on people for what's not happening instead of looking inwardly and saying wait a second I've got some scratches on my glasses this is so important to be able to catch what it truly means to be driven by a, a godly vision for our own lives and even for this ministry here, 242. And so what I'd like to talk about tonight is just briefly nine aspects of godly vision. And you're all like, oh my gosh, this is not going to be short. He's, he's got a nine-point sermon tonight. He said this is going to be a devotion. I'm just going to kick up my feet and relax now. But uh, we, we're not going to spend a lot of time, I promise. So the nine aspects of godly vision. The first, and we're going to begin in Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to be going from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 6 tonight. Um, vision begins, you just said, oh my gosh, in your heads you just said it, I know it. Vision begins with a need. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3, it says, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah, he's the cupbearer to King Xerxes. Um, and at this time, he has some visitors come in and their family and they they share with him what's going on in the city of his people they share with him how the walls in jerusalem have been burned to the ground that there's great destruction there that the city of israel is is open to attack there's no protection for the city and nehemiah's heart is broken by this need and let me tell you a need, vision, it will always begin with a need. When, when me and my wife were uh, just coming out of Bible college and we're, we're seeking the Lord for direction and where we're going to be, we were placed here. Steph had an internship here, and, and I was able to reconnect with Pastor Gary, and, and we were able to see a need here, a need that we knew we could, we could fill. We saw a need in, in the worship. We saw a need in the young adults. We saw a need in the media here at the church. And, and knowing what God had placed in our hearts, seeing that need 
from that need, God began to fill vision in our hearts for what could happen. You know, to see things that, that needed help, things that needed nurturing. And, and maybe you've had an instance in your life where you were able to look at something. I mean, anybody liked, like working with their hands, fixing things, those types of... You're able to see, you know, we'll, we'll take, uh, you know, my dad just, just repaired this rocking chair for, for my son. And it was broken. Steph saw it. She saw it in my grandmother's uh, cellar when we were in New Bedford, Massachusetts. She, she saw it, and she loved it. She, it was broken, but she loved it. What did she see? That she saw a broken chair. But what did she really see there? She saw Judah rocking on that chair. She saw, she saw this would be a perfect chair for my son when he's a little older because he could rock on it, he could read books on it. She saw a, a, a vision resulting from a need. Because let me tell you, it needed a little bit of work. But how many of us had, have seen something that needed our help, that needed a lot, and because of that, there was a vision birthed within us to do something about it. And that's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. The vision began with a need. The second thing that we need to recognize in regards to our vision is that vision needs to come from God. The very next thing that Nehemiah does is he hits the ground and prays. Verse 4 of Nehemiah chapter 1 says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept, and for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. From that need, it's important personally, if, if you have things that even, you know, you have to, to fix. You know, we're talking about a, a rocking chair. What about spiritual things in your own life, in your own heart, that you can look and say, I need to fix. This is something that is a big need in my life. God, I, I want to have vision for how I can overcome this, for how I can pursue through this, for how you can do a great work in me, in this. It all begins when you seek to hear from God, when you seek God's direction according to that vision, when you seek God's direction for that vision. You know, that's a prayer of mine is, God, help me to see things like you see them and help me to see people like you see people. Help me to see the church like you see the church. Because if I can, again, begin to align with how God sees things, vision needs to be from God. If I can align myself with how God sees things, then I'll be able to walk out and see things happen. Because if God's not in it, things aren't going to happen. And that's where our focus needs to be. The third thing, vision helps you see beyond your fears. So we're going to move forward to chapter 2. And from verses 2 to 5, after hearing what happened, after mourning, after fasting and praying before God, uh, later on in chapter 2, the king asked me, he said, Why does your face look so sad when you're, when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, now get that, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, 
May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Vision helps you see beyond your fears. Like I said, he was a cupbearer to a king. The king noticed that he was off, so he asked, what's going on? And he was terrified. Terrified to actually let him know what's happening. Why? Because he knows that he needs to be in Jerusalem. That vision from that need has been just swelling within him. And he knows that he needs to be in Jerusalem. And, and notice, I love at the end here, he says, I need to send me, he says, send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. I'm talking about God-sized vision. So I can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The entire wall that surrounds the city. Send me so that I can rebuild it. He had a vision that was bigger than he was. And let me tell you, you should always have a vision for your life that is way harder for you to accomplish. It's impossible for you to... Something bigger than you. Because then it's proof that it's God in you who's accomplishing that. Then it's proof that you're trusting in the Lord, and the Lord is being your strength. It's nothing that you did on your own. It's nothing that you were able to, to you know, muster up and get the power to do it, but it was God in you accomplishing that vision. God-sized vision should scare the tar out of us. But God-sized vision helps you push beyond that fear. And so he pushes beyond that fear. And I think about us even personally, you know, in the area of uh, spiritually, God, how, how do I get to, to where you want me to be, to be the man of God or the woman of God that you've called me to be? How do I get there? Like, help me to see how, how to accomplish that. And oftentimes we can be afraid uh, of stepping out, even sharing our faith with people and, and, and you know, opening ourselves up uh, to just sh to share, to speak, even to speak out is, is some, sometimes terrifying. But your vision is, is how you expect to be used by God. What do, you, what do you dream, like, what are your dreams? I mean, do you really believe that God can use you to see thousands and thousands of souls saved? Just through you? I mean, what are your dreams? How are you expecting God to use you? Because if you're expecting God to use you in, in incredible ways, then those fears become smaller and smaller issues when that expectation to be used according to your vision for how you see God using you, those, those fears become smaller and smaller when your vision begins to drive you. When the vision of who God can be in me. When the vision of what God has for my life. When that begins to take over, those fears of speaking out, those fears of, of being bold or not ashamed of the gospel, they begin to dwindle because you know and expect God 
to use you greatly. And that's, that's huge. The fourth aspect is that vision assesses reality. This is in chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. And let me tell you, in order to know what you can be in the future, you have to take a step back and know what you are right now. I'll say that again. In order for you to know what you can be in the future, who God has for you to be in the future, you've got to take a step back and take a look at who you are right now. And that's exactly what, what Nehemiah does. He, he, before this, he's got this great vision of the walls being rebuilt, but before he goes on and shouts it from the rooftop, he assesses the situation. He goes, uh, in verse 13, he says, By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room uh, for my mount to get through, so I went up through the valley by night, examining the wall. He took some time, even though, and that's the thing, even though he saw or he saw vision for what it could be, he still took the time to examine what it was right now. And you have to take inventory on yourself regularly in order to know whether you're actually accomplishing the vision that you have for yourself. Now, how many have a vision for who you want to be? Only a couple people raised their hand. Like, this is something that is critical. If you don't have a vision for who you want to be, for who God desires for you to be, then oftentimes we find ourselves kind of just moping around sort of here and, and there, and we're getting pushed around by our circumstances, and we're not really, you know, I, I, I think about something that's piercing through opposition. To me, that's what vision is. When you have vision, it's like a car going through a car wash. You've got all that stuff like hitting you, but you know that like, thing that grabs onto your tire and pulls you through? Like, th that's what vision is. Regardless of, of life and, and the things that come your way, if you have vision, if you allow God to direct you, He's going to pull you through all of those things, and you're going to keep pressing on. You're going to keep moving forward. But without vision, what? Proverbs doesn't say without vision the people perish for nothing. If you, don't, if you don't take a step back and say, God, who do you want me to be? I mean, what passions have you placed in my heart? What things have you gifted me in, right? We just came out of our series on the Holy Spirit. What are some of my spiritual giftings? What are some of the things that you've equipped me to help the body of Christ? How can I do that to fully, like, walk out my purposes in life? How do I do that? I, I encourage you guys, every day, you, and, and even now, if you haven't asked that question, ask that question. You know, we talked about, you know, and don't get me confused, right? We talked about when we, what's God's will for my life during the Holy Spirit series and how sometimes that question of placing the will of God out before us can hinder us from asking what's God's will for my life today. But you have to have a vision of who you can be so that today you can take a step towards that. Today you can do 
one thing to push towards reaching being for me it's it's god i know who i know who i want to be and i have that vision of who i want to be in my heart god what do i do today to help me get there if you don't have a vision then nothing is driving you forward and so many times we say god you know why am i why am i stuck in this rut why am i here like it it just it's so difficult. I, I, like I just feel like, I, I, like I'm purposeless. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But we have never stepped back and asked, what is my vision for myself? God, what have you placed in me? What? We've never asked those big questions. Assessment, because a lot of times people will just, they'll bash on the dreamers. Well, they're just dreamers. You know, all they do is they fantasize about what, what it could be. Nehemiah saw what it could be. He, he dreamt. He was a dreamer. But he also assessed in reality where he was at. Because any, any person, any visionary, will always recognize where they're at because they know that they need to take it from where they're at to where they want to be. And that's what we need to, even as a ministry. I can look at where we're at right now. I understand where we want to be. I have the vision for where we want to be. I know that we're not running two services in the sanctuary on a Friday night. I know that we're not there yet. But I I see where it can be. But I know where we are right now. And so every day I'm saying, God, how how do we get from where we are now to where I know you want us to be? And that's the question. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit later tonight. Number five, vision inspires others. Thank you, son. I love you. Vision inspires others. Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start building. So they began this good work. Once you get that vision for who you want to be, do you believe that it can be done? Do you believe that it can be done? Because right now, all of you are looking at your pastor and saying, we, we know you have this vision. And hopefully, I'm praying, God, let them be confident and let my passion and let my vision start to overflow into them so that it becomes their vision. So that it's something that you can buy into. It's something that you can begin to see happening. Because true vision inspires others. Do you believe, even for yourselves, once you grab that vision for your life, do you believe that it's possible? And do you believe that as you rise up, as you begin to see that happen, do you believe that it's going to bring other people in? Because I believe it. 
I believe that it's, this is the very demonstration of, of the New Testament church. That as these group of, of 120 or so were gathering together and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were all filled with vision for what the church could be, that thousands and thousands and thousands began getting saved and catching the vision. And now here we are, December, is it December already? December 1st, 2015, discussing Scripture because of those 120 that were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Vision. Vision. It inspires others. Vision overcomes obstacles. As they were building the wall, things were progressing, and then all of a sudden, there were a group of people that started coming up against them. In Nehemiah 4, starting at verse 7 and 9, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the, the Arabs and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of the Jerusalem walls had gone ahead, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. There are going to be times when things come against what you envision, what God has placed in your heart for your own life and even for, for you know, We'll use this ministry as an example since it's going to be a topic we talk about a little bit. There are going to be hindrances. There's going to be opposition that comes. But when you can see the end result, it kind of helps you to keep pushing through it. Like, like I said before, and it kind of coincides with what I mentioned before, the car wash. It, vision is what drives you, right? It's what pushes you through when those obstacles come your way. Number seven, vision sees the greater picture. The following verses, 10 to 15, says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Whenever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with the swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. You see that there was an obstacle that took place, right? The, the people started coming against the Israelites as they were trying to build this wall. But then Nehemiah, in his vision, was able to stand up and see the greater picture to say that God is fighting for us. Remember who God is. I love that. Remember who God is. Because when an obstacle comes your way, man, I, you know, I can be transparent, you know. We've been here for, what, almost a year and a half or so now? 
I, meeting as a, I, as a young adults group. And for me, there are times when I, I can be discouraged by the obstacles that can come against the ministry here. But what, allow, what keeps me going, what keeps me driving forward is that I remember who God is. You might look at yourself and say, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not who I want to be as a, you know, as a husband or as a wife or, or a, as a son or a, as a daughter or, or as a friend or even in my relationship with God. I'm not who I want to be yet. Remember who God is. Because if God is fighting for us, then who can be against us? That as God fights for you, as you put your, your faith and your trust in God, He's going to begin to drive you through those obstacles. And as you see a vision of, of who you can be, you're going to be able to see the greater picture that God is doing the work in you. And He's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Continuing on, vision unifies the church. Now there was, at this moment, Israel began... You know, rather than supporting and loving their neighbors, they began uh, indebting their very own. They began holding property taxes and things against one another, and, and now people were in debt just so they could get some, some food for their families. And, and Nehemiah stands up and addresses the situation and says, Are you kidding me? You guys are, are, are brothers and sisters, and, and, and you should be working together, supporting each other, but you're, you're, you're treating each other like the Gentiles treated you in exile. And he, he unifies them. As, as he was able to, to pluck them out, we get so focused on our circumstances sometimes that we don't even recognize that we may be doing something wrong. Just because of, of what we've surrounded ourselves with or, or the circumstances that, that seemed pressing that pushed us right into this. You know, right now I've got to feed, right? This guy's thinking, I've got to feed my family, so... So uh, i got to put some taxes on, on, on this land and make you pay me so I can get some extra money to get some food. But he's saying, where's your trust? Is your trust in your own ability? Is your, is your trust in, in, in you and how you can manage things? Or is your trust in the Lord? And we can get so caught up in circumstances that push us to do things that we shouldn't be doing that we don't even realize maybe what we're doing is wrong. And it takes somebody with vision to stand up and say, look, this isn't what we should be doing. We need to be going in this direction to snap us out of it. And in verse 13 of chapter 5, the whole assembly said amen and praised the Lord. And the people did as they promised. You see this direction? Well, he brings correction first. He admonishes this group. And then from that, he directs them in the way that they should go. And I think it's kind of a reflection of the Word of God. You know, the Word of God is what brings correction in our lives. It's, it's what directs us in, in the way in which we should go and how we should live. And, and that really is the thing that can snap us out of those things, convict us of, of maybe some things that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing or uh, things that we've allowed to come in or, or different paths that we've taken that we shouldn't have. If you want to begin to see a vision of who you can be, begin to consume the Word of God. And lastly, vision turns hope into reality. Vision turns hope 
into reality. And, and we see this as the walls completed in chapter 6, verses 15 to 16. It says, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been, had been done with the help of our God. Recognize that this ministry, even in your own, your own personal life, right? There are visions that you can have for your life. There may be hopes, things that look from afar to say, one day I could, I could be this or one day I could do that. Um, to recognize that as you have true vision, that those hopes can turn into realities. Those hopes can turn into realities. But it takes, I think it takes us setting those things before us. You know, we allow so many things to distract us, to keep us from actually thinking about who we're supposed to be in Christ. And yet, work can distract entertainment can distract and we let all of those things pull us away keep us from actually contemplating you know it's like for me i love driving in a quiet car i could i could drive from we just drove from new jersey to to home right there are times i drove from new jersey all the way to college when i was driving back and forth no music why because i really like to think about things I like quiet. I like to contemplate, you know, just myself and, and, and look inwardly. Like that's, that's something that, I, that I, I would do in the car. Music would just distract me. And I've talked to so many people. Well, I hate, I had a friend of mine. Well, I hate quiet. I just can't do quiet. I said, why? Because then I have to think about me. And I don't want to do that. Because I don't like where, like, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like what I'm doing for work or, or how, I'm, uh, how I'm doing this or where I'm, you know, I'm plugged in there. And, and because they didn't like where they're at, they didn't want to stop and actually think about where they were at. And we can get so caught up in distracting ourselves that we, we really get to the point where we don't want to look inwardly because we know we're not who we want to be. And that's not what I want for any of us here. And so, I just want to encourage you that your vision, and if you don't have it yet, begin to seek after it. And once you, once you begin to find that vision for your life, once you begin to find uh, that purpose, then you recognize that, that that one hope, that hope of who you could be, can become a reality as you just pursue after the Lord, pursue after the things, and keep it in front of you. 52 days. I just, that's it, 52 days. Nehemiah had a vision to build a wall, an entire wall around a city, and he did it in 52 days. What if we dreamed big? What if in 2016 you had a vision to reach, a goal to set for yourself? 
I want to reach 10 people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And reach out, invest in them, spend time with them, begin sharing with them, begin witnessing with them. Uh, I, I want to begin con- just 10 people this year. Set, set something to reach. I want to begin pursuing just the presence of God. Set a time. Set, a, set an amount time. Something that you could, a goal that you could set to accomplish. And don't let the goal turn into, you know, religion or, or you know, condemnation because you don't reach the goal. But have a goal to shoot for. Because as you begin to place a picture uh, of who you can be and what you can do in front of you and you keep it there and you begin saying, how can I become who God intends me to be? Then you're going to see that hope turn into a reality. And I love what it says. It was done in 52 days. And because it was, everybody, all the nations around them, they lost their confidence. They're like, holy cow. This, these group of Jews just built an entire wall in 52 days. They couldn't have done that without God's help. And that's exactly what I want for each and every single one of you. That when people look at you, they look at your life and they say, oh my gosh, there is no way that that person could have done that without God. No way. God had to be on their side. God has to be working through that person. The way that they, they're used by him, the, way, the things that they do, God has to be using that person. Now here's the question, are people saying that about us? Now here's the question, do you want them to say that about you? And if you do, then tonight we've just begun to scratch the surface of having a vision for your life. We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242NH. Again, that's T-W-O-42-N-H. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.